So, I'd like to welcome all of you here to this retreat. Um, also to introduce Yanai, who will be giving me a hand during this weekend. And first of all, just to check that all of you <coughs> know where you are. Um, <coughs> I assume you know you're at Gaia House, but uh, this is this weekend is a weekend of loving-kindness meditation. So that you all know that, because uh, Meta Retreat is in many ways somewhat different than many other retreats at Gaia House. And I will explain those differences this evening. To begin the, <coughs> the talk this evening, I'd like to read to you <coughs> a little from the Metta Sutra of the Buddha. It begins, This is the practice of those who are skillful and peaceful, who seek the good. May they be able and upright, straightforward of gentle speech and not proud. May they be content and easily supported, unburdened with their senses calmed. May they be wise, not arrogant, and without desire for the possessions of others. May they do nothing that is unkind or that would be reproved. May all beings be happy. May they live in safety and joy. All beings, all living beings, whether weak or strong, tall or small, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or unborn, may they all be happy. Let no one deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish to harm another. As a mother watches over her child, willing to risk her own life to protect her only child, so with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings, suffusing the whole world with unobstructed loving-kindness. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down, during all one's waking hours, may one remain mindful of this heart and this way of living that is noble in the world. The Pali word metta is intent. We don't have an exact English word, but it is intended to portray a generosity of heart that essentially wishes happiness and well-being for all, for oneself and for others. During this practice of loving-kindness, it is a practice that softens the mind and heart. It is a practice of cultivating and nourishing feelings of benevolence, of kindness, of goodwill. It is a practice which is a great teacher that teaches us about letting go of anger, of judgment, of ill will. Metta practice calms the mind. It is a focused practice. 
It calms the mind and the heart. It is a practice of happiness. This would be good news for you. All of you who have suffered through countless retreats, metta practice is a practice of happiness. It is a a practice of extending happiness, of wishing happiness, of cultivating happiness. It is a practice of seeking to nourish and connect with feelings of well-being, of happiness, of spaciousness in each moment. It is not a practice of working through things or perfecting ourselves or getting rid of things or becoming something else. It is a very simple practice of cultivating well-being, of extending well-being, happiness, our wishes for well-being and happiness to all beings in each moment. We find that in practicing metta, the mind does become more calm. We find that we begin to react less, that we feel more open. In that calmness and openness, it is not separate from wisdom. We do begin to see what is wholesome, and skillful in each moment in ourselves and what is not. Through that wisdom, we learn actually in our lives to make many wiser choices. Choices that lead to greater happiness. Choices that lead to the end of suffering. Letter practice is a commitment, a commitment that is deepened and renewed in each moment to cultivating goodwill, to cultivating friendliness. In that, it is also a commitment to learning how to lightly and gently and clearly to let go of ill will, of harboring judgment, of harboring anger. And there's sometimes the spiritual life and the spiritual path can seem to be something which is remarkably complicated and complex. You know, you hear there's the path of concentration and the path of samadhi and the path of insight and this path and that path. But in many ways, the whole, the heart of the spiritual path is actually very simple. It is not complicated. This practice and this path we travel here is really concerned with how to love well and how to live wisely. That's simple. How to love well and how to live wisely. Because these are truly the ingredients of freedom. To love well means really being aware of the prisons that we can create in our hearts and in our lives through harboring anger and resentment and ill will. We can be so remarkably free in our lives and yet we can live within so many prisons within ourselves of holding on to things that have gone by, of holding on to our judgments, our aversions in the present. To love well merely means looking at the ways in which it is possible to step out of those prisons, 
to be learn how to connect and deepen our own capacity for loving kindness, for friendliness. Loving well is not separate from living wisely. To see what contributes to sorrow, what contributes to happiness. It's the kindergarten of wisdom that we're asked to visit again and again in our lives and in our meditation. There are a couple of things I would like to uh, caution you a little bit about in this weekend and caution you a little bit about in learning the practice of loving-kindness. One of them is I would really like to dispel any romantic notions you have about loving-kindness meditation. I mean, some people think, well, if I practice loving-kindness meditation, I'm going to walk around this weekend saturated and dripping, you know, with feelings of goodwill and friendliness and love for all things. Well, this may not be the case, and this is not actually the goal of loving-kindness meditation, to live in some kind of, you know, artificial mind state where we are not connected with the moment and what is occurring in the moment. Loving-kindness is not about creating, you know, these radiant sunbeams of of friendliness that are going to float away from here after the weekend. This practice is more about clarifying our intentions and staying very true to our intentions to really nurture that which makes a difference in our lives and a difference in our world. Loving-kindness meditation is really learning to stay close to our own understanding of what really contributes to well-being and what doesn't. But there is nothing that is exempt from loving-kindness meditation. And I would say that for many people, when they begin to practice loving-kindness meditation, they are actually sometimes deeply appalled to discover you know, that they have all these feelings of negativity arising, all these feelings of anger. They start to practice loving-kindness meditation and they they suddenly remember their worst enemy from nursery school and all of the ways in which their mother insulted them and, you know, this variety of of images and memories from the past um, which carry a flavor of aversion or ill will. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. But to know, too, that this is what is welcome in loving-kindness meditation. All things are welcome, whether they are pleasant or unpleasant, friends or apparent adversaries. All things are welcome. Um, The other thing I would like to mention is that Loving-kindness meditation is a structured practice that is developed and that is sustained and that takes a remarkable amount of patience and perseverance. It is a practice that uh, many people spend many weeks, if not months, developing. So here we have really rather a brief time. 
So you are going to get what might be called a, a package bus tour of metta meditation. So we're not going to have the time to linger a lot because I would like to convey to you the basics of the entire practice in this weekend. So it may feel a little busy, but for those of you who've been bored on retreats in the past, you know, you'll probably think this is good news, you know. But it means that we will, we will be moving along. And if you notice on the schedule, I have put down a number of times during the day when there are actually instruction periods. And um, you need to be here for those times. Um, because if you're not here, you'll find that we're suddenly, you know, quite far along the road in the, pra- in the practice and you may have missed some crucial piece of information. Um, The other thing that I would mention is for those of you who have um, done other practices in meditation that really emphasize inner stillness, uh, letting go of thoughts, that initially this practice may seem a little strange, even a little awkward or mechanical in the beginning. Because so often in meditation practice, we have an emphasis of almost getting out of our mind. You know, letting go of the thoughts, you know, letting go of of the mind activity. And loving-kindness meditation actually does use our minds as well as our feelings as a vehicle for its cultivation. We do use thought in this practice. So for those of you who've done more insight practice, more samadhi practice, um, I would really suggest to you that it's not helpful, you know, if you get, um, you know, you're holding on to these ideas about letting go of these thoughts, it's not helpful to kind of sneak off and do a little insight practice or a little samadhi practice when nobody's looking. This practice does actually require some perseverance, you know, and, you know, our minds can be friendly creatures. They can be friendly creatures, and we can u- learn to utilize them as a vehicle in this practice, because loving-kindness practice is actually about integration of mind and heart and moment and the moment. It is actually about cultivating disintegration. So be patient. Be patient with any feelings of awkwardness. Be patient with any feelings of there being anything mechanical. It is like a practice that you have to warm to. You need to make it your friend, to adopt it, to stay close to it in every moment. Metta meditation, boundless loving-kindness, boundless warmth and goodwill for all beings. This practice is intended to call forth from our hearts and our minds a way of seeing and a way of being in which we enfold all things, ourselves, others, the moment that we're in, in which we unfold all things with warmth, with open-heartedness, 
and with friendliness. This practice is designed and intended to dissolve the veils of anger, of hatred, of rejection and judgment, to dissolve those veils which deny the natural radiance of our own friendliness and goodwill. This practice is intended to cultivate a sustained relationship to the moment of generosity, of benevolence. It is a healing practice. Loving-kindness meditation is a healing practice. It's not a practice of struggle, of willpower, or of ambition. We are not trying to become saints through doing this practice. Instead, we turn our attention in a friendly, in an open-hearted and warm way to every thought, every contact, and every moment in this weekend. In this way of learning to cultivate our own warmth and open-heartedness, We heal the wounds of our own hearts, of rejection, of despair, of alienation. We learn how to open to our own feelings of anger or judgment. We learn how to embrace all of this in a spirit of warmth and friendliness. Loving-kindness practice is really not just for our own well-being. It is intended to cut through all barriers to cut through all of those chains that bind us to the past, to memories of ill will, of anger, of rejection. It is intended to cut through the barriers that divide one person from another. Loving-kindness meditation emphasizes interconnectedness. It emphasizes the ways in which all beings meet on fundamental level. Appreciating interconnectedness. We really understand that the yearning that we hold close to our own hearts to be free from anger, to be free from pain, to be free from fear, that this is a yearning that is shared by all living beings. Appreciating interconnectedness, we understand that the yearning we hold close to our own hearts for well-being, for acceptance, for safety, and for love. This is a yearning that we share with all living beings. Appreciating interconnectedness, we also understand that the distance and separation that seems to divide I from you, us from them, inner from outer, that this separation in itself is the breeding ground for prejudice, for hatred, and for anger. The practice of loving-kindness is actually opening our hearts to the choices that are offered to us through our own awareness. It is a practice of highlighting those choices. 
to really see on a moment-to-moment level that we may have the possibility of choosing to follow a path of generosity and forgiveness, of warmth and friendliness, rather than following a path of rejection, of alienation, or of sorrow. These are choices we meet again and again in our lives. They are certainly choices that we will meet again and again here. We all know what it feels like to live with anger and hatred and alienation. These experiences are not strangers to us. We all know what it feels like to experience warmth and goodwill and connectedness. We know the power of these feelings in our life. All of us have had these experiences in our own lives and in our own stories, and they are our greatest teachers. They really reveal to us what it is that we need to nurture in ourselves to live a life of connectedness and intimacy and what we need to let go of in our hearts and in our lives in order to let go of sorrow. There is a great potential that lies within each of us to realize great depths of wisdom and compassion and loving kindness. And this potential is what we seek to nourish through this practice, to nourish a friendliness and kindness that extends in all directions to all beings without distinction, without distinguishing between one thing that is worthy and another that is unworthy, to cultivate a boundless loving kindness that touches every moment that we are in, to cultivate sensitivity and generosity. This practice is a great challenge because as we do this practice here this weekend, we will meet and encounter much of the baggage that we bring with us, that we live with in our lives. We will certainly encounter the baggage of habit, of judgment, of aversion, of dullness or indifference. We'll encounter the baggage of doubt. Even it says, oh, no, I can't possibly cultivate loving-kindness meditation. I'm far too angry a person. We will encounter all of this. None of these experiences are separate from this practice. Loving-kindness meditation is a way of sowing seeds through our own intentions. It is a way of cultivating the ground that allows our own friendliness, our own warmth of heart to develop. It is knowing too, and I caution you at the beginning of this retreat, loving-kindness meditation doesn't grow through being shouted at. You You can't shout at yourself in this practice. You can't make demands. You can't make expectations. You, You can't place a lot of shoulds upon yourself. None of this is the environment in which loving-kindness actually flourishes. What we need to cultivate here is calmness and happiness. 
calmness and happiness, just think of that as that is your job this weekend. You know, you have nothing else to do here except be calm and happy. I mean, this sounds like a wonderful invitation. You know, so if you can this evening, you know, totally abandon all of your expectations of yourself, all of your shoulds, all of your demands, all of your ideas about who you should be, how you should feel, what you should appear to be. If you can totally renounce all of that this evening, then you will have a wonderful weekend of happiness and calmness. I would really like you to bear that in mind. You know, if you have any moments of struggle here this weekend, just remind yourself. It's very simple. Happiness and calmness. That's all we're asked to do. And quite frankly, if you are willing to renounce all of those other things, you know, the images, the expectations, the shoulds, the judgments, and the demands, I think you will probably discover there is much happiness and calmness that it is already there, that it is already there. It's not like you're trying to get something that, you know, is impossible or exists in some other dimension. We all have the capacity to be happy and calm. I hope I sound very convincing. (laughs) You're happy and calm. (laughs) That is all you need to do. That is all you need to do here. Now, I would say that happiness is essential, actually, to deepening in all paths of meditation. And by happiness, I don't mean, you know, dancing around high and exhilarated and singing at the top of your voice. Not that kind of happiness. A calm and quiet happiness of well-being. The happiness of contentment. The happiness that comes through the willingness to welcome all things in the moment. That quality of happiness. To make no opponents. To make no enemies. To extend no judgments. That calmness and contentment of being willing to welcome all things in each moment. This is the basis of loving-kindness meditation. There is nothing that is not welcome. Nothing that there is not space for. Cultivating that contentment through the willingness to be present with what each moment brings to you. The willingness to surrender struggle and resistance. And the calmness that comes through staying focused. Because loving-kindness meditation is a very focused practice. The calmness that comes through just returning to this very simple practice that we'll be doing. That happiness and that calmness allows the metta to deepen. It provides the environment in which loving-kindness grows. As I mentioned to you, this practice is actually a very structured practice. And it does use the mind. It does use thoughts. But, I mean, many of you who have sat before um, are aware sometimes the practice seems to be one of, of getting rid of thoughts. Now, the thoughts that we use in metta meditation 
are a way of embodying our intentions. They are a way of reminding ourselves of our intentions. So there is the mind present during this practice, but in a very focused way. So you don't need lots and lots of thoughts. You just need just a few. Four is enough. (laughs) Four thoughts. If you can stay present with four thoughts, that's all the thoughts that you need in this whole weekend. So, it is a systematic, a, 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 a practice that we will develop, a practice of loving kindness that begins with ourselves, that we will develop and nurture to extend in particular areas of our lives and our connections beginning with ourselves, developing outwardly. In the practice of metta, I would ask you to adopt four phrases in the beginning of this retreat. You, in the beginning of this retreat, you are the focus of the loving-kindness meditation. You are the focus for the cultivation of goodwill, of friendliness, of warmth, and open-heartedness. I hope that doesn't feel too uncomfortable for anybody. You all deserve it, I'm sure. You know, there's no one that is unworthy of being the focus of meta-meditation. You are your own focus in the beginning of this practice. You are extending towards yourself your intention for yourself to be free from suffering, be free from harm, to be free from conflict. You are offering to yourself your own wishes for your well-being, your safety, your peace, your happiness. In the beginning of this practice, traditionally we use four lines. Now, of course, everyone is different here. You may be very aware of qualities of heart that would really benefit you. You may be very aware that there are areas of yourself that letting go of would actually bring great happiness to you in your life. So this evening I would like you to reflect a little bit on what you would like to be able to offer yourself. Of what in offering yourself certain qualities, what those qualities would be to bring greater happiness and well-being to yourself and to your life? What would really make a difference in your life? What would bring more happiness, more warmth, more well-being, more friendliness to yourself, to your life? Now, traditionally, we use four four lines. And I will tell you what the ones that are used in a traditional fashion yeah, may I be free from inner and outer danger. May I be free from ill will. May I be filled with happiness. May I be filled with peace. You may feel at home and connect with these phrases. You may feel that there are other phrases that embody particular qualities that would be more appropriate for yourself 
that you would feel more at home with. If you feel that there are other phrases, other qualities that you connect with more clearly, then I encourage you to adopt those. What is important here is that you feel some closeness and have some feeling for the phrases that you are using. The one thing I would suggest is please don't use four phrases that say, may I be free from greed, may I be free from anger, may I be free from conflict, may I be free from, from negativity. Please, no one needs to be free from everything in those four phrases. You know, don't make a long shopping list of all of the things you would like to be free from. To, also, to balance the phrases, that there, are, there is that which you may wish to be free from, but also that which you are offering to yourself. May I be filled with peace. May I be filled with warmth. May I be filled with acceptance. Whatever feels appropriate to you. Now, I don't want you to give, I wouldn't suggest that you give, you know, hours of thought to this. <laughs> you know, you can actually keep it very simple. You know, and if nothing immediately comes to mind, then simply use the phrases that I suggested of may I be free from inner and outer danger. May I be free from ill will. May I be filled with happiness. May I be filled with peace. Now, I will put these on the board. What I would like you to do this evening before you go to bed is to come to some resolution of what phrases you do feel at home with. And because I will ask you to stay with those phrases almost constantly in every waking moment, it is important that you feel some connection. And if your memory is really bad, write them down. Write them down. Keep them with you. Bring them into the meditation room with you. Put them beside your bed. Let, look at them before you go to sleep. Look at them before you wake up. Don't keep changing around. You know, you may start out, you know, may I be free from anger? And suddenly you have this, this thought, you know, oh, well, what about, you know, that negativity and the greed? Let it go. Stay with what you choose because it is not that the words are so important in themselves. What is important is that this is a gift you are offering to yourself. It is a simple offering. A simple gift you are offering to yourself for your well-being, for your happiness, for your open-heartedness. And it is that intention that is so crucial and important. In a way, the words are secondary, but to keep the thoughts very simple, it is best to adopt just four phrases and just stay with them. Now, I would say, please don't use the phrases like a mantra you know, where you're rattling them off, you know, at a grand speed, you know, and, you know, get, saying them 10,000 times before breakfast tomorrow. That's not the point. Use them slowly and calmly. So that as you say a phrase, it is almost simply as if you were planting that phrase in your heart and in your consciousness that you just rest with it for a few moments, that you have a sense both of the feeling and the meaning of that phrase. 
If you just rest with it for a few moments, and then you move on to the next phrase, and you rest with that for a few moments, and it is very calm and very, you know, not laboriously slow, but calm and gentle, and that there is that sense of the feeling and the meaning of the words that you are using. So that it's not just kind of, you know, um, repeating in some mechanical way some words that mean nothing to you. To really have a sense that this is something that we genuinely wish for in our lives, that we would genuinely benefit from, that would enrich us, and that have meaning for us. To have a sense of what makes a difference. What really makes a difference? You know, it's not may I be free from traffic jams and community charges. You know, it's something that you have a sense truly means something to you. It has a sense of meaning. I would like to like to suggest that you stay with these phrases in a very consistent way. That you persevere with them. That as you walk around the house, as you get yourself ready for bed, as you lie down in bed, that they are the last thoughts that you think. That you stay with them. That you just stay constant. You know, don't be rushing around. Kind of, because if you rush around mechanically in your body, you're probably going to find yourself becoming mechanical in your use of the phrases. Let your body calm down here. Slow down a little. You don't have to be really slow. But calm down. Calm down. So that you can also cultivate the intentions in a calm and gentle way. That you stay with them pretty constantly. Of course other thoughts will arise. Let them go. Just come back to these very simple intentions that you are honoring. And in a way, that's what this practice is. It is an honoring of those intentions for our well-being, for our friendliness, for our warmth.